Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the MDDDS podcast. MDDDS stands for the Memphis Doctors and Dentists Discipleship Study, and it is led by three doctors, orthodontist Kyle Fagala, that's me, cardiology fellow David Flatt, and dentist Grant Dasher. Every week we meet at my house on Monday nights at 7 p.m. in Germantown, Tennessee. You can find us on Facebook, MD, and then there's a little cross, DDS. Uh, there's a page and there's a group, and we'll typically make an event for each week. And you're more than welcome to come, whether you're a Christian for a long time or a short time, or whether you're an atheist or maybe you're an agnostic, everyone is welcome. So tonight, this will be the first podcast, and what we're going to be looking at is a short lesson on the idea of why MDDDS. Okay, so tonight's lesson is going to be called Why MDDDS. You can kind of open that up and see. And I know MDDDS is kind of a mouthful, um, but it stands for Memphis Doctors and Dentists Discipleship Study. Obviously, it also is like the MD of, of medical and DDS of dentistry. We thought it was clever, so we went with it. Um, I hope you like it. Um, but that's the name. That's what we'll be calling it. Or you can just call it the Bible study we go to. Um, and so we're going to look at sort of why we're doing this group. Um, and then I guess maybe the first place to start would, would be with who we are. And so I'll start by talking about myself a little bit. Um, I'm an orthodontist. I went to UT Dental. Well, I guess before that, I went to Harding University, studied biology, which I didn't really love biology, but I had to study something. And I liked it better than chemistry, so I did that. Uh, actually, David was there with me, and so was Grant, who's not here tonight. Um, went to UT for dental, so we moved from Arkansas to Memphis, actually to Marion, because everyone said we would get broken into if we lived in Memphis. And so we instead moved to Marion, where we lived next to a felon. Um, so that was cool. So we kind of miscalculated there. But we ended up eventually <laughs> in Memphis, and then eventually now in Germantown. Uh, I've got two orthodontic practices in Germantown and Collierville, and uh, we just love Memphis. We've been here, I guess, now 12 years. I've got three kids. I have a website business. Too much stuff going on. Um, and I guess one of the things that most identifies me is, is, is Highland. We, we love that church, and it's been really awesome spending time with, with David and also Grant and a lot of others. Um, so that's kind of me. Then David. I'm just going to air this out towards okay. you. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm David Flatt. I went, to, uh, I went to Harding, too, majored in biology. Uh, for whatever that's worth, and um, then after that, came back to Memphis, did med school here uh, for four years, then did residency here for three years, and now in my last year of cardiology fellowship, so it'll be 10 years at UT uh, by the time it's all said and done, so um, we'll graduate in June, looking forward to that, and um, like Kyle said, we go to Highland, we are in the same Sunday school class, and so really, in a lot of ways, what this is, and we hope it will become kind of came out of that teaching you know every Sunday and things we were teaching and thinking about and dreaming about and we stumbled across a few topics or lessons or things that we thought man this is good enough that we think it's worth sharing wish somebody had told me this when I was in med school or when I was asking these same questions feel like you maybe we found some answers in the word to, to some questions we've been asking and so hopefully over the next I don't know nine months we can have some meaningful conversations at least I think they are, and so we'll see what happens. So I'm excited y'all are here. We've prayed a lot about tonight. I think it's going to be special. Grant's not here, um, but he's a dentist. He's a cool guy. He'll, he's a good teacher. He'll have a lot to share with us when he comes. Yep. And Grant only put in four years at UT, so it's almost like he didn't even go there. Right? <laughs> um, how many years did you do? It'll be ten. I, you know, there was a time where I thought seven was a lot, and I was wrong. So... Um, 
All right, so uh, we'll jump right in, and there will be some spaces that you guys can fill out if that's the sort of thing that you like. I think it kind of keeps you plugged in. It takes a little while to get to the spaces, but they'll come, I promise. Then we'll look at the schedule together. So I guess the second point is, why are we doing this, which David has talked about a little bit. Um, it is something that we've talked about, the two of us, for like a year and a half about doing, something we've really wanted to do. Uh, we've spent the last six years teaching together at Bridge Builders. We actually ran into each other at Homecoming at Harding. Um, did anyone go to Harding? Yeah. Um, no, not that Harding. The good Harding. Yeah. He went to Lipscomb. It's okay. Those are both good schools. Um, I mean, one's better than the other, and it's Harding, but I'm just stupid. Sorry. Everyone, anyone who's listening out there, just quit. Um, all right. So uh, we, we, we then have kind of spent the rest of the time at Highland and have built that class up. It started, I think, it was like 10 people when I started coming, and then it got up to over 100, and now it kind of sits in the 50 to 60 range for different reasons. But um, All right, so for me personally, uh, I grew a lot spiritually during that period of time, uh, and really more than any other time in my life, I would say, the last six years or so. Um, I think for me, a turning point in my life, and I don't know if you all have experienced things like this, but it was actually before I was a junior in college. I was at Southwest, and you were probably in the youth group that summer, and so I came in. There was a guy that made a bonehead decision, and I was pulled out of one job that I hated to be an intern for the last eight weeks of summer, which for me was like a super blessing. At that point, I was kind of helping lead the college group and just, you know, was on the biology dental school track. And uh, Jimmy Adcox, at the end of that summer, approached me. He was like, I would like for you to be our college minister. So I was, I don't know, 19, 20, something like that. And so I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I considered it for a couple of days. Like, I really thought about it, prayed about it. Um, and in hindsight, like I made the right decision, but I really could have gone down that road and probably enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have burned out. I know being a college minister is pretty hard, but it's just interesting. It was a, it was a turning point. And really the reason that I went down the road of going back to Harding, and it sounds very Harding-esque, is that I had not met my wife yet. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to. And so I uh, went back like really like, I've got to find a wife. Um, and so I met Anna, which was great. So it worked out. And it, but it was really, it was a turning point. I'm very calculated. I had a list of things. I had, two girls on it and it was number two on the list um, it's, a tr it's a true story number one didn't work out but number two was great um, that's a true story um, but uh, anyway it worked out for a reason I felt like God had a, a purpose for all of that to work out um, but uh, I said that I would do that because I, I wanted to have an impact through dentistry I wanted to have an impact in a ministry through dentistry and so I have felt since that point um, and kind of not turning my back on a ministry opportunity, but kind of deciding to go this way with this pretense of, well, I'm going to do this because I feel like God can use me, that I've sort of felt this weight of, of sorts, and I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I've sort of felt this weight of like, if I don't do that, I'm kind of letting my 20-year-old self down. So um, anyway, so part of that was when we jumped into dental school, we started helping out with the youth group at White Station. You, you represent the two parts of my life here. This is great. Um, and uh, helping out because I was like, well, we need to minister because I'm not doing that problem was is that there are times in your life where you're ready to minister and there are times in your life where you really need to focus on your own uh, kind of spirituality and, and you know maturity as a Christian and maybe we could have done both but we really were just focused on other people and in that five years I felt like I kind of regressed spiritually a little bit um, and at the end of that I don't know that I was as mature as a Christian or as convicted as a Christian as I once was wasn't as good a husband as I could have been and that sort of thing ran into David at homecoming at Harding and uh, he was like you should come to Bridge Builders I was like okay Charlie was like two months old and so unfortunately we left White Station and it wasn't your fault Ryan um, uh, right right and so I think the growth at Highland has come as David alluded to through uh, kind of a willingness to study topics and to question things in a way that most most churches don't and I think 
you know, the way that we described that class before David kind of took it over was like, you get together and it was like, all right, so which fruit of the Spirit are you? And well, I think I'm joy and I'm, I'm really more peace and like just wishy-washy kind of like insubstantial stuff. And otherwise, it, it, you know, when David took it over, it kind of became more theologically and biblically focused. And uh, it was just a huge sea change from what it had been for me. Um, and it said uh, here that uh, we remain committed to the authoritative nature of the Bible and to the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, which I think we still are. And that, unfortunately, is kind of a rare thing in a young adult class, which is sad. And so we want to hope maybe shape that and change that. Um, and so I was also surrounded by people who view God the same way and that share a similar sense of purpose and mission. Um, there's a quote, and here's your first fill-in-the-blank thing, uh, by Jim Rohn, uh, and it says, You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So obviously that's not like an exact scientific answer. There is like a little silicone thing on the end of those pins. And it's, yeah, you got to pull it off. Yeah, you could bite it off, but I don't approve of that as a dentist. Um, and so you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, I think that at the time we were at White Station, the, the five people they spent the most time with were not necessarily the same five people that we ended up spending more time with uh, at Highland. And that kind of made the difference. It wasn't about the church. It was just about kind of who we were around and spending time with. And so six years later, you know, the five people that come to mind that I think of are all really great Christian people. And I think that my life is, is a product of that. And so, obviously, it goes without saying, encourage you to try and have friends that are like-minded and, and that attempt to have the mind of Christ, you know. So, um, I'd say that we also believe that God has called us each to teach, evangelize, and make disciples. All right, so teach, evangelize, and make disciples. Not necessarily in that order. Um, but our endeavor, our goal is to do all three with this group. And so... I think everyone here tonight is a believer, has been a Christian for a long time perhaps, um, which is great. But the goal is to get people here who maybe are non-believers, maybe atheists, uh, maybe different religions, whatever. I mean, anyone of any stripe, uh, that's what this group is supposed to be about. But for those of you who are Christians, that's okay. Like, discipleship is also a super important thing. I think maturing and growing in your faith is important. So uh, we have some theme verses that I just want to kind of go through, uh, and so I'll just read them out. So Exodus 9.16 because you got to have a little flavor from the Old Testament. you got to get a little Old Testament in there. Is But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. And then on into Luke 12, 48b, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. That's the Spider-Man verse in the Bible. All right, so with great power comes great responsibility. Um, not a Spider-Man fan, David? Okay. All right, fair enough. All right. 1 Timothy 4.12, and here you got a, a thing to plug in. This is one of my favorite verses. I remember uh, as a teenager reading this verse at church uh, when we were like graduating from high school or something. But don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. So we'll make this point later, but you're not asked to be a leader when you're like 56. You're asked to be a leader now. And I'm sure in many ways you guys are already leaders, but it's a really popular thing, obviously, to not want to become a, an adult. I'm reading a book with David called uh, The Vanishing American Adult, and it kind of uh, proposes that adulthood is being pushed way on past where it ever used to be. So most people were becoming adults 100 years ago at like 14, 15, 16, and then maybe 18, 19, and now 28, 30. Um, and so it's having a, a huge impact on our culture and, and on our church too. Um, and then Matthew 28, 19 through 20, this is the Great Commission, but go there therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So make disciples, baptizing and teaching. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so that's kind of what we should all be seeking to do. So that's kind of what sort of informs what we're trying to do with this group. All right, so then kind of moving on, why should you be a part of MDDDS? Um, I would say that this goes without saying, but medical and dental school are difficult and demanding. Uh, being the wife or the husband of someone in medical and dental school is also difficult and demanding. Um, I've not done it personally, but I remember you know, Anna having to deal with it, especially if you have kids and things like that. I mean, it, it's tough. Um, I think if you are a dental or medical student, it's easy to become focused on school and tests. And so for me, like just the goings on of school, just like being in it and being around that crew of people all the time and being in that culture, it's just kind of all encompassing and engrossing. Uh, and then tests, just the act of always studying and always taking tests and always performing and it's exhausting. It makes me tired thinking about it. Um, and then second, it's easy to become dependent on substances and sins. Um, so in this room, there may not be anyone that deals with that or your substance could be um, like, I don't know, TV, Netflix. I mean, things that aren't necessarily purposeful or Adderall or even on down the line to alcohol or you know, other drugs or things like that. Uh, and then just sins, just in general. A lot of sins that we can get into. Probably more commonly the sin of pride, of thinking that like I am important and that I deserve this time to relax when I come home. So those of you who are students, like I remember coming home being exhausted and not maybe giving the attention I should have to Anna or my kids because I deserve the time to myself. And that in and of itself is a sin. It's easy to kind of point at the sins like, yeah, you're going to the dog track and spending $1,000 a week. That, that's a sin, you know. Um, or you're going to the strip club. That's not good. You've got a family at home. But just a sin of pride or of thinking that your priorities are all that matter. That's a really common thing, I think, with married couples, especially in dental and medical school. So uh, next thing I would say is it's easy to disengage from the church during these four years uh, or 10 years or 15 years or however long you're going to be in school. Um, and I see that all the time. And usually the reason for that is well, I'm only going to be here for four years and then I'm going to move back to Pocahontas or I'm going to move back to Chattanooga or I'm going to move back to Little Rock. And I feel like that misses so many points. And so kind of what we've got written here is that I believe that when you do this, it's really easy to then like never plug back in. Um, and you may be having kids at a time where you're then not going to church and then you go to some new town. And who's to say you'll plug into a church then? You know, you may be so used to not doing it. Um, I'd also say no one here is single, but maybe someone listening is, is that if you're single and you're looking for a wife and you're not going to church, who do you really expect to find if all you're ever doing is sitting in a study closet or going to bars or swiping around on Tinder or something, which I sound like an 80-year-old man as I say that because I never had Tinder, but I'm, I'm familiar that it's an app for dating. I'm just kidding. Um, and y'all may have never had Tinder either. I don't know. So I missed out on Tinder, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> the point is, if you're not in church, like, who do you expect to find? Uh, maybe you're on Christian Mingle. I don't know. But all right. So I would also say that just because you won't ultimately live in Memphis, again, like the excuse that I was talking about with Chattanooga and Pocahontas and Little Rock, it uh, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be involved in the church here that God doesn't expect you to be. Um, so I think maybe with the people who are here tonight, like, you'll maybe like resigned to, not resigned, but you may be planning to stay in Memphis long term, and you may not, I don't know. But it's really easy to say, well, we'll just get to that part later. Or maybe we'll kind of dip our toe in church, and then we'll kind of run away from the pool really quick. And then we'll kind of dip our toe in Easter, and we'll run away. But to really like pour yourself into a church in those four years is, I think, really important. Um, the, the blank here is the body of Christ doesn't have a hometown, meaning, you know, the church doesn't only exist in the one place where your parents live or where you plan to return to. Uh, I would say for obvious reasons, yes, but also because you don't know where you'll end up. 
And I think it's sort of like the verse that talks about you don't know what the future is. And so to kind of to build big barns for the future that you don't know if it's even coming is kind of like not investing in the church right now. You may end up here. Um, too. Uh, so I would say the MDDDS, this group, is not a replacement for a church family, and I don't want it to be. Uh, it should act as a springboard or, and this is a $10,000 word, a synergism. <laughs> synergism. I couldn't find a better um, synonym that also started with an S. So springboard meaning like hopefully if you're not going to church, this kind of springboards you into wanting to join one, or synergism meaning that it works in tandem with another church, in collaboration with another church, Okay. Uh, you are smart and talented. That applies to everyone here. And the church needs you as a leader even now. Okay? And so, I mean, I've just meeting you guys tonight. Y'all could all do whatever you would need to be doing in a church. I mean, y'all are super talented. Um, and as busy as you may be right now, I promise you'll only get busier. So you have that to look forward to. Um, all right. So uh, MDDS, we hope, will help you grow as a Christian. Um, and here's another really common thing with medical and dental, dental school is, is that we fall into this trap of pride and think that either we because we're so smart and we're on top of our class and all that stuff. Either we hold all of life's answers or that science holds all of life's answers. I think maybe the science thing, it's a form of pride, but that's such a common thing, especially when you're going through school and everything is black and white and everything has a specific answer, that we start to think that way about science holding answers. Uh, so we will talk about science as we get through this, uh, all these lessons that we'll go over in a second. Um, number two, part of, thinking, uh, part of this thinking comes from not maturing in our understanding of Christianity. And so I, I kind of liken it to, if you think about how little you knew about anatomy, like from your college anatomy course, okay? So I remember after anatomy, I took two anatomies, right? And I probably took anatomy in some form in, in high school. I thought I knew all there was to know about anatomy. And then you take it in college, you're like, I didn't know anything about anatomy. I mean, really like nothing. Um, and then I retook anatomy in orthodox, too much anatomy. And I don't need to know it. I just deal with straightening teeth. I don't need to know these muscles or where these nerves go or any of that kind of stuff. But I had to learn it for like nine board questions. Um, but think about how little you knew before you took those, those classes. And it's sad to think that we think spiritually that we know everything we need to know at age 18. Like we get out of high school, like, oh, well, I was like, you know, I headed up this like study club at my you know, high school, or I was like the head of the youth group or whatever. Like you know nothing. I mean, you're essentially like a child at that time. Think about how little you know about anatomy and how much time you pour into that and how little time maybe we pour into Christianity, and it's kind of sad. Um, and so we need to mature. And so we need to approach, this is a blank, Christianity in the same way. We need to study more and know more about our faith. And it's central to boldly believing in it as we mature. Um, and so if you don't know more about it and continue to grow in your faith and your knowledge, uh, you're going to be weaker eventually. And I think that's what happened to us during those five years uh, where we were helping out the youth group is we just weren't learning. We weren't feeding that. Like, it's like if you have a hobby, like you're a runner and you don't run for five years, like, how much are you going to be a fan of running at the end of that five years? It's like, you don't know anything. Or a fan of a band, like, oh, yeah, yeah I used to listen to their old stuff, and you go to their concert, like, I don't know these songs. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's silly, it seems silly to call ourselves Christians if we're not spending time on it. And then eventually, you'll need this so you can teach your kids. Um, so don't put theology on the back burner. In 1 Corinthians, to kind of back this up, it says, uh, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, so became a man, you want to make that became a woman that's okay uh, that you know whatever when I became a man I gave up childish ways and so we're no longer children and, and God doesn't expect us to act like children all right so what are we going to study this year uh, before we look exactly at what we're going to study I am going to kind of read a couple things um, just want to clear up some things if you have any questions or any concerns maybe I think all of you guys are sort of Church of Christ in some manner of speaking so 
Maybe this won't apply to you, but this is not going to be an explicitly Church of Christ Bible study. That's not our goal. Um, so if there's someone, I know there was one couple that's planning on coming that's Catholic, that's great. Like, we're not expecting this to just be Church of Christ. Um, and actually, if you went to Oklahoma Christian, you're not welcome. So I just want to say that. I'm just kidding. It's a joke if you're from OC. All right. Uh, so uh, I would say that the, the basis for that is kind of like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. It's We're focused on the mere Christianity of things. We're focused on what is essential to Christianity. Uh, so what we would call open-handed, or sorry, close-handed doctrines. So certain doctrines like... Um, you know, the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, was died and was resurrected, and that he now sits at the right hand of God, that, that you know, the Trinity, and uh, that we are all sinners, that saved by the mercy of, of God through the atonement of his son's blood. I mean, things like that. Like, those are closed-handed doctrines. You're not going to tell me that Jesus, uh, well, he was just a good guy. Like, that's not okay. All right. But open-handed doctrines, things that are maybe secondary or tertiary, Things like, well, what does baptism really look like? Or how often should you have the Lord's Supper? Or what do you feel about instruments? Or, you know, should women be preaching? Like, those are more things that are in that realm of secondary, tertiary, what we call open-hand doctrines. Um, so let's talk about doctrine really quickly, because I know that's why you came tonight, was to talk about what doctrine is. But um, a doctrine d- defined is a codification of beliefs or a body of teachings or instructions, taught principles or positions as the essence of teachings in a given branch of knowledge or belief system. Uh, kind of literally, it means truth revealed by God or simply teaching. Uh, Titus kind of gives a, a good example of this that maybe captures both uses when it describes uh, the qualification and task of an elder. It says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, which is as doctrined, uh, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so we are called to like try and figure out what is doctrine. So yeah, secondary and tertiary doctrine I think is important. But this group is more about the primary doctrine because we got plenty of stuff to figure out there before we need to worry about secondary and tertiary. And I think we're oftentimes guilty of arguing too much about stuff that really doesn't have a whole heap of lot uh, to do with the primary stuff. Um, so this is a discussion question. I know there's not a lot of discussion tonight. There will be more in the future. But uh, what are some doctrines of the Christian church? And I think I've already named all of them. So that kind of <laughs> messed up that. Yeah. I know David has like a list of 15 on the top of his uh, head. What are some doctrines, David? Um, so you mentioned the Trinity. I think good Christian theology starts with who is God. And then, then from there you think about who, is, who are we as people? What does it mean to be a person? To be made in the image of God, but also to be a sinner. And so then how does that, who you are as a person, interact with your relationship with God? And that's really the gospel. And yeah. from that comes into who is Jesus, the person Jesus, the incarnation, the atonement, the resurrection. And then what's called ecclesiology is a church, you know, how we should behave as church and followers. Yeah, well, that was good stuff. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about like amillennialism and postmillennialism and important stuff like that. Quartenary. Yeah, yeah, quartenary <laughs> doctrine. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of doctrines. I mean, I went to a small Church of Christ school in Paragold, Arkansas, and we would, we would dig into those things. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but... Um, Anyway, that's not going to necessarily be our focus. So I think a good focus for us and sort of a good sort of rallying cry for this group, um, and hopefully for some of the people that are listening, but is the Apostles' Creed. And in the Church of Christ, we don't read the Apostles' Creed. We don't recite the Apostles' Creed, and yet we agree with every tenet of the Apostles' Creed, okay? And so this is an early statement of Christian belief, a really old statement. So it was really important at a time where groups of Christian leaders would come together and they would decide, like, well, what does our church believe? And they would create 
creeds, all right? and there's plenty of other creeds that you can read about, but this is one that is maybe the, you know, one of the longest standing and, and most important, and so it is used in liturgical uh, churches, and so like Roman Catholic, Lutheran, Anglican, um, but it's also used by Presbyterians, Methodists, and Congregationalists, and tonight we're going to use it in this group, uh, and it goes like this. And there's a song or two that are about it. Um, I think Hillsong has the Creed, and I think Newsboys has one that's sort of like it. But anyway, it's, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, so if you believe that, that's great. And if you don't, then I think the point of this, this group is to get you there, all right, is to get you to believe those things and to believe it such that you want to share it with others and you want, to, you want everyone to be aware of that um, and believing that. All right, so as I sort of alluded to earlier, this group is intended, and here are your blanks, your last two blanks. Oh, no, you got a few more. Uh, this is intended for mature Christians uh, and non-believers. Okay, so uh, maturity as a Christian is a continuum, and so there's different, you know, levels of maturity, right? Um, and there's le different levels of non-belief, too, um, and so we want this to be open for all of them. Uh, and so just because we'll be tackling difficult and deep theology doesn't mean a non-believer won't be interested. I think that is one of the, the greatest traps of postmodern thinking and thinking of the church the last... 10-15 years is that things have to be seeker friendly and what that means is that we water down the gospel and so we create a gospel that is universalist or pluralist or dualist or whatever you want to say um, and it doesn't adhere to these apostles creed statements it kind of skirts around I was like well maybe God wasn't supernatural or I mean Jesus maybe he wasn't really resurrected maybe he's just a good guy and you know maybe he wasn't born of a virgin because that's kind of weird and science can't prove it and things like that and so um, I think that what's most compelling to a non-believer actually is the fact that Christianity is complex. Now, C.S. Lewis talks about how atheism is actually too simple to be true. And so I think that, yeah, Christianity is complex and it's confusing and it takes a while to understand it, but in, in that is the beauty of Christianity in many ways. Um, and so here are your blanks, but a lot of non-believers assume that Christianity is simple and unreasonable or it's overly complicated and ridiculous. Okay, and so it's it's sort of like if you've never seen a computer before and you open one up and you're like, what in the world is this? Like I I don't even know where to start. Okay, or if today you opened up a computer from 30, 40 years ago and you're like, this is a pointless thing. Like what you know? So that's how people view Christianity in some ways. Um, and the truth is, is that I think Christianity is complex, um, and mostly because it's been created by the mind of someone that's beyond our understanding and that lives outside of this dimension. Um, but we seek to believe it and to understand it the best that we can. Um, and so uh, I don't think it's ridiculous. So we, we seek to dispel both concepts, that it's both simple and unreasonable or that it's overly complicated and ridiculous. All right, so I want David to kind of move into dis discussing the different topics and themes. Hopefully you hear one or two that you're really excited about, or maybe you're excited about all of them. Um, I'm excited about all of them, but, you know, I get excited really easily. So um, I'm going to let him do that, and I'm going to pin this mic on him because last time you were like, Kind of holding it weird, and I don't like it. There you go. So it's weird, like talking with knowing that you're being like podcast or.
get used to it because we do it in class now. It's not weird for me. Um, so let's just talk about like what makes a good Bible study, right? What makes a group worth coming to? And so I think you would want two things. One is you would want real relationships, right? You would want to come to a place where you develop relationships with people that were there, where you at some point developed a level of trust between each other where we could share life. You guys could help us think about, remind us of, of things and challenges we had you know, a decade ago or questions we were asking or things that we had committed and promised ourselves we would be later, kind of the idealistic, ambitious nature of being you know, in your earlier 20s. And hopefully we can share with you guys some wisdom. Hey, here's a mistake I made. Here's something I didn't know when I was 26 that if I had known, you know, the last four or five years would have gone a little better. So hopefully we'll share life. And so I think the first component of a, a, you know, we're saying we're a discipleship study. So the first component of real discipleship is there has to be relationship. So real relationships. The second component, though, is real truth. Right, so if we all come together and we just have kind of compatible personalities, similar life stages, we just kind of encourage each other, drink coffee, eat some pie. Um, I think that's it'd be better to do that than not do it, but we're kind of really missing the point, right? So if you want to have a discipleship study, you, yes, we want real relationship, but we want real truth. We want to talk about things that are really true, things that are true even if we don't believe they're true, right? It's kind of like in medicine, like there's some things that that I don't know about dentistry or that uh, you guys may not know about cardiology order, but they're still true, even if you don't believe them. So we want to learn and discover better about the real world. And so to that end, we've really spent a lot of time thinking about what we're going to teach. So if we're going to ask you guys to, to drive out here and to spend an hour and a half once a week, I think we ought to say something worth saying. You know, we ought to make it worth your time. So here's what we're going to talk about. Um, we start tonight, if you look at the schedule, the first night was just why MDDDS. So why are we doing this? This Memphis Doctors and Dentist Discipleship Study. So uh, I think Kyle answered that question pretty well, and um, I think we'll answer that question even better um, as we kind of move on. So the next study we're going to do is called The Gospel You Missed in Youth Group. Okay, So I was real involved in the youth group growing up. I'm not anti-youth group, but I think... Some of the things Kyle was talking about is true in, in church, the kind of the postmodern, make it fun, um, you know, really focus on relationships. You can kind of miss the whole point of the gospel. So we're going to take five weeks and really drill down into what is the gospel. What is it when we say you're a Christian? What is it you're saying you believe about God, about yourself, about sin, about Jesus, and about eternity? And so really just kind of core basics, the, the thing that all Christians in all times have believed, regardless of kind of denomination or kind of what sect of Christianity you may have grown up in or feel the most comfortable. What is it that kind of we all have in common as Christians? So bring your Bibles those five or six weeks because another kind of core conviction we have as a group is um, I don't really care what Kyle's opinion is about any of these questions, right? I mean, I, he's my friend. I think he's a smart guy. But I certainly don't care what my own opinion is. I want to know what the Bible says, right? What does the Word say about who God is, about who Jesus is? And so, uh, you know, bring your Bibles those five weeks because we're going to really look at what does the Bible say about these eternal questions. So after that, we'll go into a four-week series on Revelation. So if, if God does exist, if the gospel is true, how does He reveal Himself? How does He say anything to us? And I think there's important questions there about authority, about, um, about Scripture, um, and about who God is as a person, as a Trinitarian God. Then we'll move into a series called Says Who? And that is uh, 
similar. It's going to be a question about, about authority, and we're going to talk about the Trinity, we're going to talk about who Jesus is, and then we're going to talk about a tour of worldviews. So where do people derive their authority? So there's a different way. Everyone says, well, this is what's right or what's wrong in the world. Or Some people say there is no way to find out what's right or what's wrong. So we're going to look at... Uh, we'll look at Islam, we'll look at Hinduism, we'll look at atheism, different ways of in, interpreting, identifying authority, and kind of how that all fits in the Christian worldview. Then in December, we'll spend a little time on Christmas. We'll talk about the incarnation. We'll talk about what that means that God became a man, and uh, what Christmas means and the implications of that. Then we'll do a series called, oh, well, then we'll spend one week on your best year ever. So I'm a goal setting nerd, and I've got like a, this system setting New Year resolutions and I, I think it's been helpful to me um, our breakfast group that uh, Kyle and I meet with once a week um, we we did it this year and I think it's been helpful to the group and I make Lauren my wife do it uh, so y'all pray for her she has to put up with me but uh, I think it's helpful so we'll talk about setting goals and what that means to, to live your best year it's awesome I just have to say like I I'm a very goal-oriented task-oriented person but that is like got me refocused and like working out and doing all kinds of stuff I'm not perfect mm-hmm. but it's, it's been huge this year so I think it's something that I think can be helpful to us and we, we'll go over that in January then we'll do a false doctrine series we'll talk about some things that are taught in and around the church that are not true and so we'll talk about what that means um, then we'll talk about a reflect series so this is um, a series that talks about what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean to be? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a sinner? What does it mean to live out the full intention of who God meant you to be? And then we'll do a series on science and faith. That'll just be three weeks, but I think it'll be really helpful. I think um, there's a thought out there that science and faith are incompatible, and I know, <clears throat> I know some smart people think that. Um, I think actually the opposite. So the more that I've learned about science, the more committed I have become to faith and vice versa. I think the more you learn about faith, the more you see the hand of God in the natural world. And so especially as we're in the middle of of residency or medical school or dental school, I think it's helpful to be around some other scientifically minded people and think through what are the spiritual implications of the science you're learning. Because I think the implications are pretty profound and I think we want to kind of help each other walk through that. Then after that, we'll finish up with a series called Restore. And so I think one of the important things about Christianity is it's not just facts, although facts is a part of Christianity, but it's really truth lived out. And so to believe the gospel, but to live no differently than if you didn't believe it, really means you don't believe it, right? And so we want to spend the last five weeks talking about if we believe this is true, what are the things we would be doing in the world? And so there's a couple of topics that we really just kind of pulled out and said, you know what, I think if I believe what I say I believe, I ought to be interacting in this area. So we said the fatherless, the poor, the unborn, the races, and the lost, and what that means uh, as a a gospel believer, how we should be thinking about and acting on those five issues. So it's a lot. There's going to be 35 lessons. Okay, It's going to cover like nine months. But I promise if you come on Monday nights, there's going to be a lesson worth hearing. And it's going to be somebody spent hours and hours, really over the past six years, preparing and thinking about reading two or three books on there's going to be meat to talk about and so i hope that as you come i think i mean i can already kind of feel that we're you know there's some compatibility here we're going to become friends enjoy hanging out but i think we're going to grow in our faith too because we're going to be talking about things that actually matter not just um you know whatever's on tv tonight so that's what we're going to do over the next i guess till may 14th will be our last lesson so i hope you come hope you invite your friends i think it's going to be uh worth your time cool that was great
and then you held the mic right, which is awesome. Um, now, why don't you like my opinions? I love your opinions. That kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. Um, all right, so let's wrap this up, and then we'll go eat some pie. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but uh, what can you do? All right, so these are kind of obvious, but first thing is you could pray for the success of this group. Uh, we would love for it to grow, and if it remains just a handful of people, that's cool too. Um, so Jesus changed the world with 12 people, so that's okay. So we're seeking 12, all right? So we're just going to grow just a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, these, these sort of groups, like, they're going to start a little bit smaller, and they're going to grow, and then it'll shrink, and it'll grow, you know, so it's just one of these things. But we're committed to kind of doing what David said, and I think in that, um, even if it's one or two people, like, we're going to we're going to learn a lot together and we're going to get to know each other better. So uh, so do your best to attend regularly. I know you're busy. I know you won't be able to be here every Monday night. I get that. I won't be able to be here every Monday night. I'm going to be out on some of these nights. But someone will be here. And as you can kind of see, I think there's like four dates that we won't be here. Now, maybe something comes up and we have to cancel. But we, we really strongly believe that a lot like church, like we need to be here every week so that people can count on it. And that whether they've seen the announcement or not, they know to come up, you know, to come on Monday and we'll be here. Um, and so we've committed to that. We have busy lives, and, and we really believe in this, and so that's why we're committed to it. Um, invite your friends. And so if there's someone here that you would like to have here, invite them. Uh, we have, you know, I do, I speak about digital marketing in the orthodontic world, so you will see more Facebook posts than you want to see. Um, but I do that just because it's effective and that I want people to see it and know about it. So you can share our Facebook page. You can share these podcasts. We'll have a podcast for each week. Um, that's a good way to kind of say, hey, here's, here's what we're about. I really love this lesson, that sort of thing, kind of like y'all were talking about. Um, you can also text, call, and encourage in person. The best way to get someone to a Bible study at a church is to have a relationship and ask them to come. All right, so all the little you know flyers and postcards in the world are only so effective. Asking somebody, like, hey, would you like to come? You can ride with us. Um, is going to be most effective. And I realize we live way out here uh, in Germantown, which seems like the edge of the earth if you live downtown or midtown. Um, so maybe riding together is helpful. Um, and then this is like, I think, the most important. So when we come back to this idea of why MDDDS, why are we doing this, I think the number one reason in some sense is that if you ever find yourself in a similar situation, that you do the same thing. Um, because I think this is super important. As a dentist, as a doctor, as whatever, you're going to be in a position where you're going to be influential and you're going to be a leader in your church, in your community, uh, in your practice, in your hospital, whatever. Um, and so you're going to be in a place where people are going to be looking to you for advice or for a pattern for how they should live their lives, and you need to be using that position. I mean, I think that we go back to this theme verse, the one that's, um, that was it Luke? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Luke, the Spider-Man verse. For everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And so you're being entrusted with all sorts of things, with intelligence and with the ability to carry through on tasks and to have gotten to this point. And with that, I think, comes the responsibility of trying to do the same thing. Um, and it, it's fun. Like, I'm super excited. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Um, so it's great to be able to spend time. And I feel younger now. I look, I look younger, but I even feel younger. Um, and so hopefully that there's some day that you'll be able to do a group like this and that in that sense, which is the whole purpose of discipleship, that we kind of train you guys to do the same thing. So it's a leader-leader mentality. We talk about that when we train staff. Is that I don't want to train a staff person to be a follower, to always come to me and say, what do, you, what do I need to do now? I want to train them to be a leader, and in that way they lead other people. And so that's kind of our goal. So um, I'm going to go ahead and stop the podcast, and I'm just going to do the conclusion. I can record it later, but I'm just going to do it now. And I'm just going to say, if you're out there listening, I uh, appreciate it. I'm glad you made it 39 minutes into this. And uh, we'd hope to see you actually in person sometime. So love to come see you. Have a great week.